everyone. Today's episode with Chanel Contos mentions sexual assault and rape. So just a quick trigger warning. If this triggers you in any way, please give this episode a miss. It is largely focused on consent education, obviously being in conversation with Chanel. And please call 1-800-RESPECT if you have any uh, issues or you're triggered. And also there's always Lifeline 13 11 14 and resources in the show notes. A listener production. This podcast is being recorded on Gadigal land. We pay our respects to the traditional custodians of this country and elders past, present. We extend our respect to any First Nations, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people joining us today. Sorry, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> it's a fucking dare you. Know, it'll, it'll, yeah, I think it was okay. <laughs> okay. Let's begin. Let's begin. I told you I was nervous, Abby. You know, you're making me I'm clap. I didn't well. know I was going to have to clap. Okay, everyone. Hey, everyone. Um, we're, we're, for some reason, we're nerve central here today. I'm PMSing right now, which is a big disclaimer. Oh, my God. I'm ovulating. Oh, it's so I'm off energy. I know. I'm really horny. You are glowing. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's the ovulation. Fresh egg. Fresh um, <laughs> egg. <laughs> anyway, guys, let's do a little intro. <laughs> we start talking about our cycles. Um, everyone, this is an okay, everyone has been requesting this for like two years. And we mean to get you on. And then I heard you having a book coming out. So I was like, we'll do it after the book, after I read the book. I haven't read the book. <laughs> just, just, it's I'm in just, a box. It's in a box in the corner of a storage container right now. Long story. Chanel knows what oh sorry, it's Chanel Contos. Chanel knows why. Grow up. Grow up yeah, it's if fine. you haven't got me for it's this. Fine. But we're here with the amazing Chanel Contos. Hey, guys. Hey. Oh, my God. We were in the lift before both being like, why are we? It's like our first date or something. I know, literally. You know what it feels like? It feels like when your friend is like, oh, my God, you're going to love my friend. And then like, and then they say something to them. Then you go, will we love each other? Or will we be enemies? Like, are yeah. we, like, we going to love each other? Like, is there too much pressure on us to be friends and get along? I don't yeah. know. I think at the end of this hour, we either will be friends or enemies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which way is it going to go? Options. I'm yeah. nervous. I'm like, it's like we have high expectations. We should just yeah, we think. Just, we want to be really good friends. So yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I love Chanel. And I was saying to you before. So like, usually, okay. And I didn't mean to say it like this, but when I really care about someone, I, A, <laughs> We'll put off the interview because I, I don't feel prepared enough. That's true. As I, a producer, I can. Yeah, I'll go, I'm not ready yet. Can we yeah. put it on? Um, just so not, um, <laughs> it's also an episode of me yelling about um, housing decor. Um, <laughs> which I hate grey houses. I'll just be like chatty. I'll care about something. I'll get a general idea or like I'll be freaking the fuck out and I will have like lots of notes and be essentially reading off a piece of paper. So you're a piece of paper reader because I, I care about what you think. Okay. All right. Well, you can read off a piece of paper, but I feel like we can also just, like, don't feel like you have to read it off a piece of paper. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> you make me feel really comfortable. I really appreciate it. So far it. off to a great start. Yeah, great start. Um, so, okay, Chanel, God, we have so much to talk about. I feel like I've been following you since, obviously, the start of your your journey as the consent queen. <laughs> you know, it's it's not it's not a laughing matter, but also you are you are like the figurehead of consent in this country, which is amazing because you're so young and you're so well-spoken and you've just written a book that I haven't read, I admit it. <laughs> Consent laid bare. But you still encourage other people to read it. And everyone should read it. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> use my guilt. If yeah. you every for every read, it's one prayer that I'll read. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So no, I will read it once I get it out of that box. Yeah. Or I'll just buy a second copy. I but it feels wasteful. I should have bought you another one, I'm sorry. No, 
Don't. Don't feel bad now. I'll give you my copy, Abby. Yeah, actually, yeah. There we go. Yes. Since then it's all, um, well, it's not a waste to give to yeah, buy another book, exactly. but also like, you know, wasting resources. I'll borrow limbs. Okay. Um, no, we recently authored a book, which is incredible because I had a, a book advance and I gave it back. So <laughs> fucking props to you for completing a book. That is iconic. I'm so proud of you. You know, it's like a thing on the podcast. I was really worried I was going to have to give it back. No, babe. How long did it take you? Because I went to two quote unquote writers retreats where I went away to the Blue Mountains. And the second one I left two days early and I was like, call my agent. And I was like, just give it back. I'll do an Instagram post instead. <laughs> By the way, who you're hearing right now is Candace. Oh, <laughs> I love She's her laughing laugh. in the background. This is so good. She's, uh, She's the publicist. Chanel's publicist, exactly. And and you will hear her laughing, which is epic. I love yeah. it. <laughs> it's like we're on Hamish and Andy. Yeah. yeah. Hearing cackling Jack in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Niche reference. Like the upgraded note, great mm. reference, yeah. Thank you. So, yeah, you're like you were shitting yourself that you wouldn't finish it. Well, no, it's not that I didn't think I'd finish it. I didn't think Ooh, I'd finish it in know. time. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I No, I just was worried that if I kept pushing the deadline back, that the publishers would be like, you're done. Yeah. But they didn't, even though I kept pushing it back. So thank God we're here. Thank God. Yeah, I know. It. But yeah, there was a few, like, I think it was due, I was meant to hand it in like February last year or something. Mm. Um, very ambitious. I thought I could write it in six months, but I did. Oh, that's no. so cute. I know, so cute of me. Um, anyway, but now here we are. And I'm so glad I had the time to do it and research it more and like speak to so many more people. Like I've learned so much in that time that is fully changed the way the book came out so yeah I'm really thankful that's amazing yeah. yeah it's it's hard when you're and it's a really important resource to have all of this information about consent and other parts of feminism really um again I haven't read it but I've heard about it okay <laughs> I've had conversations with friends about it <laughs> fuck me stop yelling at me in your car someone's going you don't even know what you're talking about <laughs> Lem and I have spoken about it and I've, I've got the gist of it you got yeah. the vibe yeah. I follow you. Yeah, I yeah, trust yeah. the content. Yeah. But it's a really, really important resource to kind of simplify those things and bring them to the masses and also give a, a bit of resource that people can give parents and give to the, their children or even teenage boys or any anyone to expand kind of complex thoughts and make them simpler. That's a really hard thing to write. So you've done a really good job. Totally. Thank from you. what Agreed. I've heard. Thank yeah. You. But I want to talk about like from the beginning until now, mm-hmm. you start off your career as an activist. Um, by posting an Instagram story being like, you know, have anyone else uh, experienced sexual assault? Take me back to then and what well, I think a lot of young women, obviously, as per the results of, of your story, yeah. but I know that all of my friends, even growing up, like when I was in high school, like all of us just kind of accepted that everyone had either been sexually assaulted or sexually harassed mm. and we would almost not laugh about it, but it was kind of a thing that kind of bonded women together, particularly in all-girls school. What was kind of the, because it's so normalised, I guess, and it's normalised for women to bond over it and be like, this is just what our lives are. Cool, we'll get through it, we'll get older, and then we'll just be able to separate ourselves from it. What was the defining moment that made you go, no, I'm actually going to speak publicly about this? Because that's A, very brave, and it's also you kind of were able to see, no, this is actually fucked enough that we need to talk about it even more, if that mm. makes sense. Like, I think it was just so normalised. I think, we, yeah, I think normalised is the exact way, like right way to put it because... I think that even though, like, you know, pretty much all of us had either been harassed or assaulted or whatever, we didn't even know that it counted as that. Like, we knew yeah. of those words as, like, bad things. It's mm-hmm. like sexual harassment. We know that's, like, not an okay thing to do. Mm-hmm. But then you, when someone just, like, grabs your ass at a party, you don't think, like, oh, my God, I was just sexually harassed. You yeah. just think, like, oh, he grabbed my ass. Oh, that's annoying. Like, that, what a dickhead, exactly. Yeah. There was, like, a few, like, build-up moments to the final thing, but, like, the actual Instagram story, I posted that, like, genuinely in a moment of, like, anger. 
It was me and my friend and we essentially were just like having a very emotional moment for because of like a conversation like you know talking about all these sort of stuff from like things that happened when we were way younger and it just got to a point where I was like this is fucking bullshit because mm. here we are like almost 10 years later still thinking about it mm-hmm. and they don't even know they did it to us. Yes that's the thing. And that was the thing I was like okay fine it happened whatever like you know that I don't want it to happen I want to prevent it but mm. it's happened we've moved on for that but you have to feel that guilt like why do I still have to feel this like you should have to think about this yeah so that's what made me post it on Instagram because I was basically like I'm actually sick of this this was preventable and also I think that there needs to be some sort of like accountability and like I got so much about like not what the words not validation what's the word like no but it's validation of your thought to do something about it yeah but like I don't know what the word is like I got so much like Maybe, yeah, of like just seeing like if I would post a testimony about someone who like I knew it was them and then seeing them watch the story, I would be like Oh like, I'd be like, Yeah, I don't know, like it felt like justice almost. Yeah. Like it felt well, I mean not real justice, but you know, like it felt like we'd actually like something had actually Done happened. Something. Yeah. Rather than the absolute no accountability that is the norm. Yeah. I think I think as well breaking through that I guess barrier of normality, I think a lot of young women in high school, I mean, like teenagers, will deny sexual assault and sexual harassment if you start to try to speak about it, not in a way of trying to help cover it, but by in a way of trying to deny their own experiences. Mm. So, like, I had friends in high school where I'd be like, oh, that guy just grabbed my ass, like, he, like, that that was fucking disgusting, like, he just fucking can't go around sexually assaulting people. People like, that's sexual assault, because if they admit it to themselves that it's sexual assault, then they're admitting that they've also been assaulted or harassed in that way. Yeah, it's really confronting to think about, like, once you put those, like, loaded words to the actions, it's really confronting. Yeah. So what was the range of stories that you heard? Because there would obviously be things very extreme, like being raped and understanding that it was wrong, but were there a lot of people saying, I didn't realise this was an issue until you posted this story? Massively, and actually I think that's actually what defined the teacher's consent movement. Mm -hmm. I think it was defined by a type of sexual assault that is seen as so mundane to us mm-hmm. that I think there's also like a whole other picture in this, like a whole other piece in we're kind of taught, I hate using this word lightly, but like just for the purpose of explaining it, like it's almost like mass gaslighting of women to say like, it's not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it was that type of sexual assault that like, mm-hmm because it wasn't seen as that big of a deal. You feel as though you shouldn't speak up about it or you shouldn't call it that yeah. or you're attention-seeking if you do or you're being dramatic. Or you're going to ruin his life. You're going to ruin his and life. His like, he didn't mean to do it and you were confusing with your, yeah. All of that stuff and I think, and also lots of like kind of like self-doubt and like misunderstanding of the situation. So I think it opened a space for that type of sexual assault to be called out and be mm-hmm. like, actually, it's not okay. Yeah. And I actually think the fact that, I mean, I barely ever talk about my own sexual assault story, but... It like when I like first did the beginning, it was just such a run of the mill. I read thousands of others like it mm. that it made people be like, actually, yeah, that's not okay. Like we thought that a boy pushing her head down and forcing you to give him head was, you know, part of growing up. Yeah. But it's not and it shouldn't be. No. I had a, I guess I was part of that mass gas sighting in high school. I've never spoken about this. Wow. Wow. Wow, she's good. Um, Okay, there was these two guys. I was at a a semi-post at this person's house. God, I feel sick of even bringing it up. Um, You don't have to. No, but I think it's, like, important to talk about because I think it's also, like, because how much – what what year did you graduate school? 2015. 
Yes, you're only three years younger than me. Okay. Yeah, I was 2012. I think that when I was in high school, there was so much, I think there is a gap in information of understanding consent, even between us, only three years apart in terms of social yeah. media as well. Like when I was in high school, when I when this happened, the response from my friends was so fucked for my girlfriends. Basically, I had consensual sex with one guy um, at this party. And then I was so drunk that I was passed out in a bush. And then this other guy had sex with me that I'd kissed before two weekends before or something. So that was rape. And I still can't have sex outside because I have a panic attack. Mm. The girls in my group, I told one of them and she <laughs> and, and our other friend and they both, I told them, I was like, oh, that was just predatory. Yeah. And then their kind of response was, um, I was just embarrassed that I'd fucked two guys in one night. Yeah, it was kind of shocking. I think as well because I was starting to listen to different podcasts. That was like kind of the start of like being able to access information that wasn't just directly given to us by like either mainstream news or like social media was still kind of a fuck around. Yeah. Then. Like yeah, in yeah. 2011. Instagram, like Instagram in 2011 was just, like not it. It was yeah. like photos of like cafe, la, la, de, yeah, yeah, like yeah. it wasn't like fucking activist movements. Yeah. Like, yeah. And like I you didn't do captions yeah, yeah no yeah. you're just like doing like the like yeah. nashville filter with like a border like you're not going to talk <laughs> about like your <laughs> sexual assault claim um and as well i also I, I think i think my friends just were kind of like you're being ridiculous don't mm. like you're just a slut basically and you just you just regret it so you don't want to mm. you don't want to talk about it and i've literally i and then i told one guy actually who was my like best guy friend at the time who was at the he was on the rugby team who was like a very like fuck. And he was like, that's fucked. Mm. Like, that's not okay. And then I only spoke to him about it for the next like year. I didn't speak to anyone else about it. Yeah, very interesting and bizarre considering I, I wish I could say which school it was. Because people would be like, someone would faint if I knew what school <laughs> this person went to or they were nice. But I just think like that reaction is what I want to talk about before where it's like mm. this like it is a mass gaslighting but it's also – when I was younger, and I hope it's changing now, but there's not, there wasn't much support even in terms of like when you were confiding in your friends. Yeah, and I, I would say that is probably still very much the case. I think things mm. are changing a little bit, but that was also, that was part of the way that there's like the slut shame that came out of it, even if it wasn't like a direct friend of yours, the way people would comment on other people's things that yes. in hindsight was such like, yeah, so obviously sexually assault. But yes. like even just the phrase you would say like, oh, my God, it's so embarrassing. She was so drunk. She did this. Yes, yeah, and sexual sex, act. Yeah, and she fucked him in a bush where she was passed out. Like, did, did she? Did she? Yeah. <laughs> did she do that? So let's, yeah, say that again. Like, did yeah. she? And I think, again, comes back to this normalisation, the way that friends dismiss these acts mm -hmm. because they either, you know, they occur so much or because of a misunderstanding or disregard for consent. Like, mm. that guy who was actually kind to you about this and said, like, that was fucked. He, he probably understands consent. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's probably as simple as that. At some point in his life, someone had told him that if someone's intoxicated, that can't, they can't consent. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Whereas, yeah. and I think the, I think the thing with friends is it's not, like, as if it was their fault as an individual because it was what was kind of, like, being spoken around. Yeah, and I think as well, like, I didn't push the subject because I was like, oh, maybe that is... Right, because I'd, I'd gotten with this guy the weekend before. Like, I'd kissed him the weekend before, I think, at a different post. And I think the thing is, was like, well, he obviously didn't mean to do that. So I'm just going to accept that I, quote, unquote, fucked you guys in one night. And it hasn't mm. been until I, like, got older, like 20 or something, and, like, I had sex with my boyfriend in a park. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Pretty cool. So cool, Abby. Old, fucking in a park. 
and then weighing in a bush after so I'm going to UTI. Oh. <laughs> but like, I'm all about hygiene. Well, yeah. Um, but I had like a full bone panic attack and was like sobbing. Like, like, like and I was like, why was that? I went to therapy about it. And I think that I also, even still to this day, haven't spoken about it because I'm like, well, like he was young and didn't have the information to understand that that wasn't okay. So therefore, if I speak about it, then I'm actually just potentially, even now I'm like, I'm potentially just like ruining his life if he, because he probably has no idea that that's how it affected me. Mm. But like you said before, it's vindication, like why are we carrying around the guilt and the shame around it and the anxiety about it? It's also so hard because I feel like I do have a few friends who have tried to like, take on some form of social accountability and not go through the you know criminal system, which is what you're supposed to do for sexual assault, but obviously it doesn't work, and mm. try to have, like, conversations or hold people to account or, like, speak up about it. And even if the people around them do react in a really good way, often they then feel guilty. Like, the yeah. guilt then comes back onto the victim about being yeah. like, oh, I've ostracised you, I've, like, made you feel like... Mm. It's so tough because it's like and you're like I'm you, fine you can't win how it them. is. Yeah. yeah, and it's like I'd almost rather just not say anything. Or like I also know of so many boys who have you know had massive like deteriorations in their mental health after someone's like held them accountable for sexual assault. And it's like, well, yeah, like well, you did the thing, you did the thing, and that's yeah. the thing. But then the person who's like you know held them to account is suddenly like I don't want to be accountable for their mental health, even yes. though they're not. It's still like, and it just makes it feel like it's you and it. It's so difficult. It's such an exhausting and it, it's it's a it's a complex cycle. But I, yeah, I even even now, like I literally was having here. I'm like, do I talk about that, or are we gonna people figure out who that was? And then am I gonna get? Wow. Are my high school friends gonna say that I was lying about? You that have happening? more energy mm. protecting his reputation than mm. like even potentially thinking about going to therapy and how it's affected you. Like it's, yeah. that's how uh, I, when I was reading your book, sorry, Abby, I'm joking. <laughs> we get it. We get it. Right yeah. the book. <laughs> no, but I, all I could hear <laughs> in those sections. <laughs> okay, Len. All I could hear in the sections. <laughs> I knew this was going to happen. All I could no, I hear in it. the sections when you were saying like, you know, it was like an activistic tone of like, we have to fucking stop this bullshit and people need to respect women. People need to learn about uh, consent. All the while I was reading it, I was still getting that voice in my head. Mm. What? I can't do anything now? Like, you know what I mean? Like the dudes going like, what? I can't, where, what? I need to like, if I touch her, I need to ask every single second. And it gets to this like argument that I've seen with guys going like, what am I allowed to do then? Mm -hmm. And it's so fucking unsexy and... So I guess, how do you counter that? Like, what do you have to say to that kind of attitude that I'm pretty sure if a dude was listening, he's like, can't touch them. I'm going to be in jail soon. You know what I mean? Like, Consent is so horny. (laughs) Consent is so attractive. so hot. Not consent is literally rape. It's literally rape. Obviously consent is hot. But also like clear consent is also really horny because you get anticipations like, do you want me to? Yeah. And confidence. Sorry, I'm so bad. Don't you talk? No, no, you keep going. <laughs> Give us don't talk, Abby. Well, let me be dominant and also again. Let me channel her. <laughs> I mean, dominatrix, come on and taught me how to be dominant because I'm really sub. <laughs> She's here. Do you want me to lick you? Lick you. I can't. I actually don't want to do this. I actually don't want to do this. Chantel says no. Consent is not sexy. The consent, the consent was not. Okay, no, it's fair. It's that consent was anyway, not sexy. Anyway, that wasn't sexy, but there are examples that you can have sexy consent, okay? Maybe I'm just not good at asking them no, this in a is, podcast environment. I think in a podcast environment, it's yeah. different. I think in the moment, it would, like, that same... <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm sure you aren't doing that 
when you're having sex with people. I'm sure you are asking in a hot way. I'm sure you're not like laughing halfway. Yeah, no, I actually do ask, can I use my mouth? Every time. That's hot. That's actually hot. hot. That's That's hot. 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 Like, do you get these types of responses and how do you deal with that? And honestly, like the most common response I get often from like mothers is being like, it's really hard for my son. He's really scared. He doesn't want to do the wrong thing. And I do, I do like feel bad for that because I understand that again, if you're not educated about these sort of things and it's just this big topic and like, it's not properly being spoken to you, how nerve wracking that like having sex as a teenager is already scary enough. Like Mm -hmm. it's awkward. It's stressful. It's like, it's not what you see in movies or Mm. pornography, like whatever. And I think what it comes down to that I always say is if you center empathy in a sexual situation, you can never violate someone's consent Mm. because if you're a lot of consent is body language. So I'm all Mm. for verbal consent. It's not the one that I did before. Maybe not that yeah. specific one, just That's like fine. fight. You're anti that. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> my answer to your question is no, you can't. Yeah. Like <laughs> and that's fair. And you respect that. I respect it. Perfect. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You've also revoked your consent for me to even try to ask for it. Because you're like, you actually can't do it. So how about we just don't ever talk again? Okay. Right, cool. yeah. <laughs> enemies. <laughs> enemies, take one point for enemies. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, continue. It's a very serious topic. <laughs> no, it's good to laugh because if you're centering someone's empathy in a sexual situation, you can never violate their consent mm. because you're going to read their body language. You're going to see their cues. You're going to see how happy or enthusiastic they are. You're going to reciprocate their messaging. And if you're not sure, you can ask. And then when you're mm. asking, if you're doing that in a caring, empathetic way, you're creating the space for them to safely reject consent. Mm. So people are like, I can't do anything anymore. Well, it's like, well, if you're not sure, ask. And if you don't feel comfortable asking, then don't do it. Like, yeah. yeah. The most horrible things I've seen about myself on the internet have been from a group of a Facebook group called like Mothers of Sons or something. Do you know it? No, but I'm sure I'm sure it's awful. And it's this weird like patriarchal thing, boy mom, like yeah, like it's this weird like. I'm going to say it a bit Freudian. It's a bit weird. It's a I'm bit not, weird. Not, and we're not saying if you have a son, you're 40. It's <laughs> like there are these people who like their whole identity is them being a mother of a son. I think this really goes back to like some patriarchal shit of like a woman's ideal role purpose in life is like creating a boy. Yes. And then I and also. protecting that boy and doing whatever they can. And, and this is, I can't think of any other words. I'm just going to say forsaking their own gender. Forsaking <laughs> is the wrong word, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Betraying. There we go. There's a thing. I mean, I actually, this got cut out of my book because I didn't want to offend anyone, but there was actually, there's like a feminist theory that we, every generation lose all of these women in the feminist movement to motherhood because they become mothers of sons. Oh, wow. And it prevents us from, like, keeping up. Moving forward. Because we're something like, but not him, not ours. Yeah, th- this one is different. This one is different. Yeah, so and then you lose the, um, yeah, I ended up taking it out because I didn't want to. Upset the boy mum group. I didn't want to upset the boy mum group. Oh, I'm fearful. <laughs> we need the boy mum group on side. Please, please don't bat negative review this episode. It'd be really annoying me. Like, <laughs> please, boy mum group, leave us alone. It's okay. No boy's listening to this. Like, <laughs> Like they're not going to get offended. Like, yeah. like the end of the days, like this episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we're talking about before. Fuck boy mums. Um, uh, oi. Um, oi. Uh, <laughs> boy, uh, oi. Sorry, my brain. Oi. I'm on Dixie. I, mean, I, I, I grabbed. Like, oi. There is my boy mums. Um, I think it's interesting that these that these mothers. Their focus is my poor son. He's so scared to have sex, mm. and there's no acknowledgement that 
women and young women have been scared to have sex this this entire time or scared to even yeah. just be at a party or be just exist just exist just yeah. just even just walk down walk down the street and it's I know it's like a, I know it's a trope and I know it's like it's now almost a cliche of like walking with your keys in your hands yeah, but like yeah. you still like I still do it I did it nights ago I walked home from my friend it was yeah. 900 meters away and I called a man on the phone and then walked with my keys actually I tried to call a man he didn't answer my fucking phone call <laughs> and I went wow and I texted him saying you are responsible if something happens to me <laughs> Um, it's your fault. It's your fault. But I think it's it's interesting that that's the main, like they're so, I don't know if offended is the right word, but they're so disturbed by you highlighting something mm. that is so clearly, I think it's mild compared to what women have experienced. Yeah. And their reaction is to say that they're, well, my sons are really scared to have sex. Okay, if like you said, if you don't have the tools to have sex, if you aren't ready to have sex, yeah, then, then, then don't have sex. If you're yeah. so terrified. I mean, for me, there have been no experiences where I've been unsure if someone is consenting or not. Same. It's, yeah. it's, this is what also clear. gets me. I'm just like, I understand when people talk about it. I'm like, yeah, I get it. It's confusing. But then just, you know, in the moment, I'm a 25 year old woman. I've been sexually active for a decent amount of time. Mm-hmm. And I'm just yet to come across a situation where I'm confused. I've yeah, had people, that. I've been, re- like, I've been rejected. I've, un- I've had non consent and accepted yes. that. It's not confusing. Mm. It's like abundantly clear. I think as well, um, oh, my God, what was my point just there? I, I should have had a fucking Dexie. Um, <laughs> maybe. Uh, no, no, no. Okay, okay. Uh, you what did you just say? You something about I think not- maybe underlying that with the boy mums is that they believe that boys are more sexually, like, active and they need their n- needs to be met more than girls. Mm. So they're like, oh, but, you know, poor him. Like, he ne- he's the one now with pimples on his face that needs he needs to, his like. blue balls. <laughs> A poor son's blue balls. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's all I'm saying. Did you remember what you were going to say? No, no, but I'm going with this. Yeah, this like, line I this. just think that that's, so I have an 11 year old. There you go. I just think the issue is gender. It all goes back to gender. Because if you're mm-hmm. saying empathy first, I'm not thinking about him as a boy when I'm talking to him. And mm-hmm. I, like purely, I'm thinking you're a human. There's, a, there's going to be at some point another human, not necessarily a girl even. I can't assume that. Mm-hmm. And your job is to be empathetic. So I mm-hmm. teach that in other contexts other than sex. Yes, exactly. And then that's very easily transferred to the sexual situation then because he knows now that if I'm going to go and like slap my sister on her back, which might happen like with kids, mm. I'll be like, you've reached the consent here. That's not where, how she wanted to be touched. Um, we can't beat each other. Like, you know, all of this shit. Okay, I know I'm getting my parent out here. No, no, I no. It. I love it. But it's I it's so think true. it starts there. Like, it doesn't start with sitting down and talking about sex. It starts in other contexts. Yeah. It does. And you know what this speaks to as well? Boy moms are also our ticket out of here. Yes. Because they're the ones raising the next generation. Uh-huh. So if it's a boy mom who's on side and willing to, you know, hold their kid to account and have these hard conversations or learn mm-hmm. how to be transformative in the way they teach this education and counteract the kind of like culture they may be getting at mm-hmm. school or with their friends or whatever, then that's the way we're going to fix this. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's why it also hurts so much when boy moms aren't on side because it's like you guys are the way that we can. Yeah, you're the ones that we need. We, yeah, most. in one generation you could do this. Because like what, the generation now is hopeless? Just out of curiosity. No, no, like, no, not the generation now is hopeless. I think that we're just, we don't have everyone yet. And I think we need everyone because, Mm. you know, maybe you're going to grow up your son to be like the most respectful, loving, empathetic, whatever. What if his eight friends at school aren't? Mm. What can a 27-year-old man learn, do you think? Like, is there hope? (laughs) I think there is hope. Uh, 
God. <laughs> there was a moment. God. There was a moment of optimism that was quickly, <laughs> quickly dimmed. I thought about it too much. We should have had a deck seat to hold on to it. <laughs> thinking that when I was reading your book. I'm like, great for the next generations, but what do we do with the fuckheads we have now? Like, ah! honestly. I, I think there's, <laughs> surely there's got to be. Well, I've met a lot of obnoxious men and have been oh, in situations with Fuck obnoxious me. men. So I'm just like, are they going to change? Okay, can I tell you That's the way? I'm gay. I'm I, now. <laughs> the way I navigate this is I literally see men as different human beings yes, before their prefrontal lobe develops and after. Right. Like I've literally had to just like do some sort of cutoff point of just yeah. being like, like, even my boyfriend, like I love him so fucking much, but like some of the shit he tells me about it, like when he was younger, I'm literally just like, that was a prefrontal lobe experience. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to hear about oh it. God. I don't want to know. Like, and I think that's kind of where we're at now. I think there's like a way of being like, we can't, I think a lot of boys do grow up and grow out of this and it's like how much account can we hold of something that was kind of like normal to them mm. at the time. And again, like, I don't know if I can go back to that story, but like yeah, of, yeah, your, yeah, yeah. of your friend, that is not her fault as an individual. Like obviously it's really yes. problematic she said that, but that was what the culture told her was the way to go and about also, that. we were 16. I think something that I always talk about with my friends being – like we're like the youngest millennials, my mm. friends, like we're all between 28 and like 32. So I think I'm the, I think I'm the last year of being millennial or one of the last years being 95. And it's very different. People are like, well, I'm 16 and I understand. Mm. It's like, yeah, because of people like you, Chanel, and also like the access to podcasts that you can listen to in private and you can, you can learn things by yourself and you can, it's easy to grab information. You can have a TikTok algorithm show you something mm. that is about consent. You can understand in a minute long video. Mm. Whereas like 10, that was 10 years ago. You guys just had like Dolly Doctor. Literally. Like once a month. Yeah, for kids. And then, and then we have sex ed at a Catholic school, mm. an all girls Catholic school. Like what else, what else do we have? And that was, and then like two years later, yeah, we had access to podcasts and then mm. we had Instagram and it all kind of blew up. But 10 years, 12 years ago for a lot of social issues, not mm. just this, it was very fuck. It was very different, and it can be only ten years ago. But ten years ago, we had minimal. Like Oscar, wouldn't you agree? Because you're a bit older than me mm. as well. It was very different. Yeah. So different. Yeah. But I mean, I remember like some of the, I always just go back to the TV shows that I watch, but some of the storylines that were in that and just what it was like for some of the shows that my parents mm. watched and how completely different. So I think going back to the question on whether or not there is hope, I think just seeing how mm. over the decades it has made a bit of a difference. And yeah, there are examples where you go, oh my gosh, we're just gone completely backwards. But Hopefully, yeah, through talking about this sort of stuff, I think it makes a big difference. But do you think they're already cooked, already baked? I guess we had Jimmy and Nathan recently mm. and they spoke about, so Jimmy and Nathan were my old co-hosts on my radio show. We had them on because they had two, we had um, diversity, so we had two straight white men on. Oh, cool. Really yeah, nice. us here at the oh, podcast. Yeah, we thought we'll give them a go. Take the boxes. Yeah, yeah. We, got, we got a done affirmative <laughs> action for the straight white men, the poor things. Um, but we had them on because they were actually normal they were normal, which was oh. cra- I found too. So I thought, get them on. Oh, okay. um, but <laughs> we spoke about how like they were quite like misogynistic until mm. like Jimmy moved. He's from Gundawindi, mm. which is like on the border of New South Wales and Queensland. And he moved to Brisbane and to Sydney. And he was like, I had friend mates call me out. Mm, so like interesting. Said, so wild mates can also like poison you. And, like yes, you were the option the like, other way around. And, yeah. You can also be like your friends can be like, what the fuck was that? Was that joke? 
So it can, I think that people can change. Although yeah. I don't think Jimmy was ever horrifically awful, but Jimmy does knowledge he'd had really awful views on women growing up in a country town. Yeah. And he's 33. So that would have been, you know, in another yeah. weird period of time. And then also just one more thing to add to this is think about the movies and TV shows we watched at the time. Yeah. Like American Pie, like... Mm. How I Met Your Mother, Friends even. I was watching that the other day and I was like, this yeah. does not age well. Like, yeah. Yeah, and like always like a character who just like objectifies women and like his main personality trait is that he like sleeps with women. and like Joey. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. like Joey, Barney. Yeah, like <laughs> Barney Stinson. Like, I don't know, like these things were like completely normal to us. Let's think about like the rom-coms we watched and like what no. messages those kind of like portrayed to us. Well, actually, this is what, this brings me back to my point before that I lost due to my lack of dexamphetamine yeah. in my system. Oi. Oi. But oi. <laughs> <laughs> So we were talking before about, we were saying we, we've never had an experience where we haven't known if someone's consenting or not. Yeah. But movies like, uh, I guess not 10 Things I Had About You, what's a movie where like they Love pursue, Actually. Yeah, Love Actually. Do you think as well uh, this like, quote unquote, play out to get in patriarchal expectations in terms of dating mm. add to this like mixed messages and misunderstanding and like women are supposed to be docile and not and not be forthright and forthcoming about wanting to fuck someone. Yes. Therefore, women think it's more, or young women may be taught that it's more appealing to just be um, quiet about it either way. And then men are taught that if, oh, but like you meant to pursue her and like convince her, it's romantic to, to convince her. Or Bridget yes, Jones' yes, yes, diary. Yes, yes, yes. yes yeah. like calm down, dude. Like, And Candace <laughs> just gave me 500 days of summer as well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And... Um, not to bring this up again, but if you read the book, Amber, you would have seen this. Oh, no. Okay, she had enemy strike too. We're not doing well. I'm just going to look over here while you talk. I can't but, bear to look at you. But um, there's this idea around the taboo we have around female sexuality is that women are massive victim, obviously victims of the narrative around that for lots of reasons. But one of the mm. big reasons is that there is no normalization of us asserting what we're interested in or like, mm -hmm. you know, pursuing the other way. And also again, that idea of being chased and this idea that sex or like, you know, that we're giving something to a boy mm -hmm. by doing it rather than doing it for our own desires. Mm -hmm. And I think all of those narratives come into play to a point where sometimes boys who do abide by consent get ridiculed because it's mm -hmm. like, he didn't even try. Like he stopped, yeah. like he gave up, like he's obviously not interested. He's really frigid, like mm -hmm. all of these things. So it's definitely problematic from. Also a little bit, if he wanted to, he would. It's like make, yeah. him, make him chase you. It's like, I don't want to train a man no. to have to break down my boundaries, my barriers to come and get me. Do you know what I also absolutely hate? And I like, um, like if my friend's, you know, dating someone or like whatever, and they're being like, oh, I'm waiting for him to text me or like, should I text him first off date? And I'm just mm. like, why do we wait for them to, con like, why is it that, I know I'm talking about a heterosexual like yeah. framework right now, but like, that's what I'm talking about. If men were waiting for them to contact women, it puts all of the agency in their hands about whether mm -hmm. they want us or not. Yes. But it's like, why don't we have agency? Because then it means that if we don't text them, it's because we don't want to text them yes. either. Not because we've waited to see if they want to text us. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like so pro-texting men first because I'm literally like, fuck giving them the decision about if they want us or not. It's do we want each other? And also like we're both adults. So let's just be like, yeah. do you hang out or not? No, all good. Cool. It's yeah. fine. Sweet. That's because <laughs> you're not scared of rejection as well. Like that's oh, a part of it. I'm deeply afraid of rejection. <laughs> Can I ask I, before? I text and I throw my phone, but I still do the text. <laughs> I go, I go, I'm going to go for a walk now without my phone because I, I'm going to reach Nirvana. I'm going to go for a swim with my dog because I'm waiting for them to reply. But I also have texted first, so 
Yeah. Friendship tick. Friendship. Friendship tick. Thank you. <laughs> Best friends. Yeah. Can I ask this is gonna like if you don't want me to go down this dark path, you can but I found no, it very interesting of your four types of rapists. Oh, mm. okay. It's yeah. very, very dark. But <laughs> I just dark. I just it, thought the fourth one is like I just felt like when I read that, I'm like, oh, that makes a lot of sense why a lot mm. of people miss the whole consent thing. Mm. If you think this is dark, Abby, by no, the way. No, it's absolutely valid as it's in the book that I read. <laughs> no, 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 it is, it is really interesting. Yeah, would you mind breaking them down to us and kind of talking yeah. about yeah. like why one of them is the most prevalent but the least type that people know mm. about? Yes. Okay, so... Long story short, there's four different types of rapists. This research came out of my master's dissertation. So it sits in research around um, forensic psychiatry. But when I found it, I was like, this needs to be spoken about in a gendered lens, and mm-hmm. like a male violence lens because or violence against women, whatever, because I was literally just like, mind blown. And mm-hmm. basically, I'll go through the first three types really briefly because the fourth one's the most important. But First type of rapist is known as a like sadistic, also trigger warning. First type of rapist is known as a like sadistic rapist, which is essentially kind of like what you see in like crime shows, like Ted Bundy vibes. Mm-hmm. Like they usually kill their victims, they plan their attacks. Like, do you like crime podcasts? Yeah, I used to, but now I'm off it. I just okay. want to listen to silly things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I like the, the crime podcast yeah, that we've yeah. heard before. Yeah, like that's, yeah. that's like a sadistic rapist. Yeah. Basically, again, kind of crime podcast, you like in a moment of anger or frustration like an emotional moment for them they perpetrate like mm-hmm. rape as a way to like regain control and it's usually quite sporadic it's unplanned it's usually just strangers it's kind of like the nightmare stories you hear of like mm-hmm. you're just walking home and it was sudden and then you know he was found just like eating dinner with no remorse sort of mm-hmm. vibe. those two types of rapists don't feel empathy like psychologically mm-hmm. and they've also experienced they've almost definitely either been abused themselves at some point mm-hmm. in their life to kind of make them that type of person. Mm-hmm. That type of rapist is known as a compensatory rapist, which basically means that they often feel incompetent in their usually like manhood and they perpetrate sexual violence to regain control of themselves. This is the type of person who would like spike a drink or like sneak mm-hmm. into a bedroom, something like that. And they're like, Incel vibes, like thinking. Yeah, incel. I was thinking incels. Yeah. yeah, they do not harbor the traditional social skills to be able to just like go up to like someone in mm. a bar and like chat them up and like like they they would give weird vibes essentially. Yeah, and they they're hate quite women like for that. Yeah. They hate women for that. They're socially ostracized. Mm. They feel as if they don't meet the definition of manhood. Blah blah mm. blah. That type of rapist can feel empathy, and if they do, it often makes them feel guilt about what they've done, which then causes them to feel further incompetent, which then causes mm. reoffense. So those are like the mm. first three types in terms of like. Also, what very much makes up our stereotype of what is a rapist. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what we see in media. That's what we see in news articles. That's what mm-hmm. we fear. Mm-hmm. Like, those are the type of people that you don't want to run into when you're walking home alone. Mm-hmm. They are increasingly prevalent, but, like, a sadistic rapist is extremely rare. An mm-hmm. angry rapist is very rare. And a compensatory rapist in the scheme of things is also mm-hmm. quite rare. And then the one that is not rare and makes up the vast majority of sexual assault cases is known as an opportunistic rapist, Mm -hmm. but I coined the term entitled opportunist because I think entitlement is absolutely key to understanding Mm -hmm. why this type of rapist perpetrates sexual violence. These types of rapists are like completely normal people in all other aspects of life. They're usually actually quite well like liked Mm -hmm. and um, usually like very, they're called opportunistic rapists and they're usually very like, they jump at opportunities and they're kind of like go-getters, like Mm -hmm. very like traits that our society really values in Mm -hmm. men. 
They use minimal physical violence. They almost always use sexual coercion to perpetrate mm-hmm. sexual assault. And if it is any physical, it's usually very like minor. Like it's not as if you're going to leave a sexual assault from an entitled opportunist with like, you're not going to be like bleeding or something. Mm. It's not going to like look like something like bad has happened to you. Um, this type of rapist almost always starts when it's a teenager mm-hmm. or when it first starts having sex. And the good thing about this type of rapist is whilst the first three types, like the criminal system or like accountability programs don't really do much to prevent mm-hmm. re-offence, the fourth type of rapist will almost never re-offend if held accountable for their actions. Okay. Or if taught what consent is. Okay. So my like theory is basically that like any man could be an entitled opportunist mm-hmm. if their entitlement to another person's body outweighs their empathy towards them. Mm-hmm. But we can counteract that with consent education is like the sum of... What I guess everything I say is. Wow. Okay, Lem, do you have any questions on that? (laughs) Sorry, that was a lot. No, no, no. I think the reason why I asked you is because I feel like so many people don't know. A lot of women aren't aware. They're just scared of a rapist that might come up, you know, like when you're walking home. And and they don't understand that 80%, I think you mentioned, is like, was that the... Well, the numbers, I can't, I think it's like, yeah, 80, something like 70, 80, whatever. I can't remember percent, but... The crazy thing is this research could only be done off rapists who were convicted rapists in jail. So there would be more who were... Also because there's that intentional societal, quote-unquote, grey area of if you aren't kicking and screaming. And if you think about who, like, entitled opportunists would be the type of rapist that wouldn't get convicted in a courtroom, whereas if it's, like, a stranger and, you know, like, they probably almost definitely would. So not convicted in the courtroom... Unlikely you would have evidence to be able to take it further if you did report. Unlikely mm-hmm. for someone to report to police. And then this idea of, like, do you even know it counted as sexual assault if it was an entitled opportunist, if they were your boyfriend, if it was? So when you yeah. think about, like, that and zoom out, it's almost as if, like, whoa, this is, like, our main problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think as well it, it kind of when you look at it like that being our main problem statistically, people who are maybe they're not anti-consent education, but maybe maybe they are. You know how we say, like, stop teaching women to, to like walk with keys in their hands or like whatever, um, start teaching men to not rape. And they say, men know not to rape. Mm. Really, no, they, they don't, don't know what rape is, so yeah. they can't know not to rape. The majority of them know not to violently rape someone. Sure. I'm not saying that you're yeah. all going to violently, like you said, grab someone in the park and begin a true crime documentary, but a lot of them don't actually know what constitutes rape. And it's yeah. so normalised again, like we're talking about with the patriarchal expectations of pursuing and being a, being a pursuer and being pursued, they don't actually know. They could no. they could be basically your your boyfriend, really. That, yeah. that happened to me and like I'm sharing a story where I was with this guy, we were making out in the car because in Jordan it's quite hard to find spaces to fuck <laughs> to fuck really. And um <laughs> Midway through, I felt uncomfortable. Like I was just like, there's, I feel like there's a car that's coming. I was about to give him head. And then I just changed my mind. Mm. And I was just like, I feel unsafe. And he just would not listen. Mm. And that's entitlement. Because he's just like, yeah, but you fucking, like, you got me hard now. So you have to finish it. Yeah, that is that is the entitlement bullshit. where it kicks in. Exactly. And it's in a situation where this guy is completely warm, loving, but just did not have the education to realize that what he's doing. Mm. I mean, thank God I was in my mid-20s. I think Mm. if I was younger, I would have succumbed to it. But Mm. I was just like, I'm very uncomfortable and really fought hard. Like it was a proper half hour of back and forth, went into a fight and then I left home and I'm just like, And he's still not- hard during this? Like he's still really <laughs> yeah, like, No, he's like, I lost it's it It's also, now. when they get angry at you, it's like, you're like, 
do you really still want to fuck off this fight? Like if I yeah. went, yeah, right, 22 minutes in, are they right? going to go, oh, yeah. right, I'll forgive you. Like what the fuck? But it's, it's like also- you gave me blue balls kind of thing. You yeah, know? Like, yeah, 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 it's fucked. So that's why I, when I read that section, I'm just like, fuck, this is so common. Like it's happened to me more than once where a guy feels, well, also I think culturally there are differences. I feel like different cultures have different mm. levels of entitlement. Mm. And I just was just, you know, I related to that a lot. I'm like, it's, it's, it's around us more than we like to think. But like, also the scary thing about that is that, and this is also something I like try to emphasize a lot. You were consensually kissing him in the car with him. You were keen and then you changed your mind. If you didn't change your mind and you just like kept going, that means that you didn't know that he's the type of person who wouldn't respect your consent. Yeah. Mm. You can only know that when they don't. Yeah. Well, like if they do, like so as in yeah. it's really scary to think about how many people you've consensually like done things with who if you didn't consent. Yeah. Which is why there's like the section in the book that talks about like how are we defining rape? Are we defining it by a woman's resistance or are we defining it by like a man's affirmative action? And the importance of that is mm. if a woman doesn't resist, you don't actually know whether the man is going to. Yeah. Yeah. And just out. if yeah. we say no, if we say no, just respect the first one. It doesn't need mm. to be five times you trying to convince me, dude. Like it's mm. happened also to me where I was taken to an apartment by this guy when I was drunk and he was just like, didn't you say I remind you of your ex? <laughs> I was like 19 or something. Like, didn't you say that? Like, that's probably a sign. You're giving me mixed signals if you're saying no. Oh, and then it becomes sense. manipulative. Mm, and yeah. so, you know, I just think so many of us find ourselves in these situations and the guys would feel so much more accountable if they know what an entitled rapist is because mm. they're like, fuck, I'm doing that. Or so. even just knowing what sexual coercion is. Well, yeah, I want you to speak more on sexual coercion, some examples yeah. of that, so people listening can know if they're experiencing it or I guess consent to someone who may have perpetrated it. So sexual coercion, by definition, is being forced into a sexual act in a non-physical way. So mm-hmm. being, like, pressured, manipulated, blackmailed, threatened, tricked. So, like, classic, like, the biggest form of sexual coercion is you're giving me blue balls, you can't, it's, I'm going to be in pain if you don't keep going. So mm-hmm. that's manipulating someone into feeling as though they... You um, owe them them sex, exactly. Mm. Other, you know, really common examples, especially in young people, is like, if you don't have sex with me, I'm going to send that photo that you sent me last weekend Mm. to someone else. Other ones can sound like, you know, if you don't have sex with me or, like, we don't have sex often enough and stuff like that, I'm going to break up with you. Like, Mm. if you don't do this for me, I'll break up with you, those sort of things. And, yeah, the scary thing is, like, when I speak to teenage boys and I say these sentences, they, like, freak out and listen. Because they know that they've said them or their friends said them because they're so easy to say in yeah. a world where men and boys have been told that their in sexual, yeah. like, gratification is absolutely paramount to, like, existence. Yeah. When in reality, I think there are – oh, this could be so wrong. But um, <laughs> I swear I saw some fucking studies that are saying that, that women have much higher libidos than men or they were like, <laughs> women need – more cummies. I think. <laughs> I think women More equal amount of cummies. Was that yeah, I, think, I think it was the Equal Cummies Act, two thousand and twenty-four. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Albanese put into Parliament, but no, <laughs> no but like, but like, they, they, we've been taught for so. My point is, we've been yeah. taught for so long that that men have these high sex drives that mm. need to be, like I said, it's absolutely paramount mm. that they need to come and they need to have yeah. this sexual satisfaction. When in reality, it's it from 
the thing, this thing that I saw, okay? <laughs> Could have been a fucking TikTok, someone was talking bullshit. But also, I think it's correct that women have equal libidos or, or even higher yeah. and we just don't have the entitlement around it That's and we also are ashamed for even accessing it for so long. It's also why women aren't able to figure out, well, AFAB people aren't able to figure out their kinks until they're in their mid-20s, whereas mm. men are able to explore that and understand that by the time they're 18. Massively, and I also think that, like, type of discomfort that we know as blue balls that is experienced is also experienced by people with vulvas but because mm. like people who are socialized with women aren't socialized with extreme sexual entitlement yeah you don't go around being like i've got blue vulva but like we also have a massive orgasm purple, gap purple pussy purple. yeah purple ones. <laughs> it's, it's full. did you just coin that no, Friendship one. Oh, yeah, I just pointed it then. <laughs> it was no, too lucky. Look, look, my ex used to call my pussy the pebble penis eater. <laughs> <laughs> it's a genetic thing. <laughs> that is so good. Friendship two. Yay! <laughs> I think we're winning. Um, but back to the serious conversation about consent. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but I also think, because I also know we, Oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say, what could you do? Because I, I hear some friends who are in actual relationships where the partner says, yeah, oh, you know, I don't have, I don't get enough sex. And then they sort of use this sexual coercion. What can that person do in that situation mm. to, I suppose, educate them or almost stand up for themselves? It's so hard because, like, you don't want to explain to someone, like, why you don't owe sex to them. Mm. Totally. Like, it's just as simple as, like, that. Like, sex is not a human right. Yeah. Like, yeah. it is a yeah. privilege to be able to engage in intimacy with someone in that way. And no one owes it to you and you don't owe it to anyone. Mm. So, like... It isn't, like, a default. You don't get, like, a so many tokens when you marry someone that's, like, yeah. you have to fuck me twice <laughs> a week, like, because we're married now. Yeah. And also, like, mar I mean, mm. it took a really long time in Australia for marital rape to become illegal, but mm. it is now recognised as rape. Marriage is not consent. Like, mm. all these sort of things. But I also think this, because I know we want to talk about this as well, this, like, mm. idea of like extreme male entitlement, a lot of it does come from pornography. Yeah. So I porn for a bit because you posted recently about, would you say you're anti-porn? How would you describe your views on it? I am anti the porn industry. Yes. I'm not anti the conception of watching people have sex and enjoying that or wanting mm -hmm. to be watched having sex or like I'm not against the performance of sex. Mm -hmm. I'm not against individual people who do this. Yes. I am against the industry behind it. Yeah. That is disproportionately exploitative towards women and children. Yes. And also the culture machine that that industry turns out. Yes. Because the thing is, whenever we talk about like porn, I'm not going to say I'm anti-porn because people always say like, you know, ethical porn, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, cool. But how many teenage boys are watching that? Yes. No. See, uh, me as, I mean, look, my OnlyFans subscriptions are really doing me a disservice because I'm paying for my OnlyFans every month because um, I'm trying to be an ethical porn girly and have for a few years. But, yeah, you're right. The percentage that actually is ethical yeah. is very, very low. There's, there's almost no free ethical porn. No, exactly. And that's so much pornography is free. So yeah. it's like who's paying for this? Yes. And that is the performers or like Mia Khalifa who – how much – I think she got paid $1,000 or something. I think – 12 grand her whole porn life. Yeah. Her and whole she can't walk in the street because men harass her because yeah. they feel entitled to her body. Yes. Because I, I, like, I agree with you on that. The porn industry is, is fucked. But how then do we, I think the internet like, has its strongest uses, unfortunately, in terms of sex and porn. So how do we change, 
how do we change that? Like do we fuck do, do, are parents teaching their kids about ethical porn from when they're 14? Like what's the. I mean 14 is too late. Yeah. Like the average, True. Because yeah. they've all got phones now, these kids. No, literally, yeah. <laughs> I feel like a fucking boomer, but I'm like, these children, these kids are their iPads. Well, actually, yeah. my 11-year-old, I did, first of all, sex ed happens, I think, gradually it should happen, like not just at a certain yeah, age. Yeah, yeah, and it's one, one conversation and that's it. Yeah. But um, what I've tried to do, I don't know if this is going to fail, by the way, in 20 years, so you can talk to me about that. <laughs> but um, what I've tried to do is I've kind of explained the concept of, if you are interested, I've created the safe space of like, if you are interested in anything, just come mm. to me. Yeah. And that way, like I can be the vehicle of like, here are some sites that you can watch if you want to, if you're curious. Yeah. And I know that that's not Pornhub where a woman is getting choked every five videos. So yeah. sometimes I do reckon like if a parent comes up to me, like an individual parent being like, what do I do? Here's my situation, blah, blah, blah. I know he's watching porn, blah, blah. I literally be like, buy him a subscription to a website that you... You're okay that with. you're okay with. Yeah. Like, Because the, the solution isn't just like, no, you shouldn't watch porn. It's like, really? When has that ever worked? You know, like yeah. for teenagers, I mean. To ban something. Oh, yeah, only for teenagers. But then not I also not do think, me. so the thing. <laughs> no, I would never, I would never do that, Chanel. The other thing is that people. <laughs> no, but I pay OnlyFans, okay? Yeah, no, I, but also the thing is, if I you, watch like, Pornhub, if you did sit here and say you watch Pornhub, I'm not judging you. Like, I don't care. Like, you can. Yeah. I'm not saying that's a bad thing oh, for people to God. do. <laughs> but it's, it's actually but gay it, Pornhub for me. Okay. <laughs> and you're homophobic if you say that's bad, Chanel. So you have to watch out. <laughs> How dare you come for? How dare you come for gay Pornhub? Um, no, but you're right. It's, it's about you, so you're talking about the systemic effects that porn and also the rise of violent porn. You're right. Every single every second of fucking video on oh Pornhub God. is like. Although this could be because I'm watching gangbangs. That's true. Your algorithm might be different, but look. Uh, but it's fine. Also, you know what's fucked in my brain? If I watch gangbangs, I'm fine with it because I would be the gangbangy. Mm. But if someone that I was dating was watching, yeah. Game I go. What's wrong with you? Yeah, is that fucked? But, yes. but also, but if, I'm, but, but if I'm the one getting fucked, like I'm, I know that I would consent that situation. Uh, so I know that I would enjoy it. I see what but you mean. But if someone that I'm dating was watching it, I go. So you want to be the person gangbanging someone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like yeah. I'm consent. I am offering up my own. Auto- I would be consensually offering up my autonomy to get, be gangbanged. Mm. But the person who wants to be gangbanging, mm. I would go. Hang on. So you want someone that? Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, 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 that yeah, makes yeah. sense. I want them to yeah, only be into it because I'm into it. Yeah. And say, I've never thought about that before. Like, how do you know they've consented to it? Like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like, hang on. Yeah. Why are you watching that? Yeah. I will completely watch. I will watch it. But you, not allowed. Mm. Gentle <laughs> massage porn only for you. <laughs> Love massage porn. So do I. It's a favorite. I also think on just like a very, so also context, mm. I do not watch porn for ethical reasons because... My, like where my ethics stand is that I can never, you can never tell if someone has consented to it and if they will consent to it forever. That's just like my ethics on it. Right. That's like the way that I go about that. The same way that like, you know, I I eat meat, but I have friends who are like hardcore vegan. Yeah. And like that's just their ethics to that situation. I know yeah. when I eat meat that that's like what's happening. But then also just the simple fact that like watching anything on Pornhub is directly profiting a company that like consistently hosts child abuse material. Yes. So just because of like what I do and what like my ethics are, mm. that is why that's why I think people think I'm anti-porn 
because I don't consume porn. What about OnlyFans or a like private online thing that's it's hard because I know I think it's incredible that like OnlyFans has emerged and kind of pr- provided these other options. Mm. But then in kind of like two streams of it, one, if OnlyFans was an economy, it would be the most unequal economy in the world, mm-hmm. which I think is like kind of makes the point about like how it's such a good opportunity kind mm-hmm. of invalid because it's also as if like people have been like, oh, America is like, you know, such a great opportunity for people to go to. But it's just like, yeah, okay, people have come out of America being billionaires and then... People have also come out, yeah. Yeah. Or currently, yeah. And then I guess from like, again, like taking a step back, just like a theoretical point of view, like the questioning of this idea of what it does to the wider picture of the culture that comes out of mm. a lot of this sort of like content. Like, again, the type of things that, like, 14-year-old boys are watching are often, like, violent towards women. Yes, And that really creeps me out. They don't know that this consent Consent. is needed. Yes. That, you know, this person hopefully is a paid actor, but they also may not be. Yeah. There's no condoms usually as well. No condoms. There's no putting a condom on, asking about a condom. Like, yeah. And also, that's all done off camera. If it is yeah, a proper, if, if it thing. is happening, then it is off camera. Yeah, yeah, it's ever on camera. And then also, um, yeah, so much of pornography depicts yeah. women being either positive or neutral towards violent acts being done against yes. them. Yes. So then, how can you not ex- like? How can we then blame a fifteen-year-old who's mimicking what he sees in pornography when he yeah. does that? We know that to someone. Person? Yeah, I mean the rise in choking. Yeah, choking Dan Savage. Mention him again. <laughs> Dan Savage, um, uh, he speaks about uh, choking being a sophomore uh, act. <laughs> like he's like, it's not an entry level. But, everyone, but with, the, with the rise in uh. so much choking being in porn, everyone and their fucking it's their no. dog. <laughs> everyone, everyone, everyone is choking everyone. I'm going, calm down. Everyone is choking so everyone, everyone, everyone without consent. Yes, and I've, I've fucked people that like, you know, People know. And the first time they've had sex with me, they've like face fucked me and choked me. And I'm like, that's fine for me because I'm, I know that I, but like you said before, but what if I had. What if you didn't want said, to? No, yeah, yeah. What if I didn't want to? And there was no ask if I felt it was okay. Yeah. Which is, yeah. I think that's where my main problem lies that like things like choking, that is supposed to be a like thing that sits in like a sphere of kink. And I. Well, it's BDSM. Yeah, you like, don't see it as BDSM anymore. Exactly. It's, it's mainstream. mainstream. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. Friendship time. <laughs> wow. Friendship. But when it's mainstream, people think that you don't need consent for that specific act or people don't mm. understand like people who, you know, like don't understand that there may be like actual physical implications mm. if it's not done safely. Like, yes. or like there's no safe way to do it ultimately. Mm. And that's like a risk, but it becomes normal. And then both young boys and young girls fall victim to it because they think it's what you're supposed to do. Therefore, they think that they're meant to go along mm. with it. Even like handcuffs and stuff, even like being bound, people do, using mm. ropes to bind people, like people like can break, like break their wrists from not having rope yeah. bound correctly. Or they could like, if you have tape, like I have this really exciting tape mm. that only sticks to itself. Mm. So it doesn't stick to skin. So it's like oh. special sex tape. So like you oh, can right. get taped up, but you can easily take it off. If you really pushed, you could take it off yourself. Right. And if you went over your mouth, you have to put it around your head oh. because you can't. But, like, people are using normal duct tape and could, like, suffocate if they had their mouth bound. They could, like, people could get really hurt and it's getting, like, normalised by aggressive porn. People think yeah. that's a, because it's free and it's accessible. With like, no consuming shown. Yeah, like, at one at one point you would have had to seek that material out mm. and either learn about it through a BDSM, like, sex club, like, I'm talking, like, pre-internet, or subscribe to a magazine that would send you, you know, you'd have mm. to like know what you were getting into, but instead now it's on their home pages. 
And it's their form of sex education. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so we actually agree on this. <laughs> I, no, just... but I think, yeah, and I think where we differ is that I, again, the kind of like vegan, vegetarian, like consent analogy. Yeah. If there's like a spectrum, like I, I do eat meat personally. My ethics don't lie with like the environment or animals as much as they do women. Yeah. But where they lie with women means I'm like hardcore vegan. Like I'm not eating honey. I'm not wearing leather. Yeah. Like, so I'm not consuming any pornography because even if someone does do an OnlyFans account, how do I know the reason why they've got that OnlyFans account? How do I know what's happening like behind the scenes? How do I know if they're going to want that on there in three years time? Like just these questions that I'm not saying it's okay to like, if you want, like, I'm not saying it means it's not okay to watch them. I'm just saying I think about that for me. You worry about that. So then that's where my line is on that. See, I just, I subscribe to two OnlyFans and one of them is just, one of them is a bit hectic, but the other one is just (laughs) this man with a flashlight. Really? What? And he's just talking. Oh, wow. what's he he's saying? What is, what's he, what is, what is he just saying? Just calling me names and things. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, okay. but like, like he's just a man with a flashlight. <laughs> Don't know what his face looks like. He just speaks. He just, he just says what I want to hear, Oscar. Side and note, and I, and I'm that little flashlight in my mind. <laughs> How annoying is it though when you subscribe to the OnlyFans and then you realise, oh no, you got to pay another level to get the actual good shit from it. I that know. I'm me. off it. I know, but honestly, Fleshlight Man does things for me. He's fine. Okay. An, and then, like one day, he um, he does like he does like these like weird zooms that are kind of horny. Where like he'll do like a, he'll do like a POV, like him on Zoom, like teaching you something. Oh. And then like, and then like, like he's like, oh, like I'm your like you've asked to you've asked to learn like algebra and like, but not in like a school way. In like, oh, like you've just got a promotion at work and you're like, <laughs> like they're always consent. It's it's like, I really weird. can't picture this. It's really like, complicated. I'm not Alright, pretend I'm on Zoom. <laughs> FaceTime thing. Role play COVID. Yes. <laughs> and like he asked for consent in the Zoom and I go, I'm ready. I yes, I'll slay. But yeah, but like so, but 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 what we did from this is you yeah. is like I because when I think about it, I'm actually not, I don't think I subscribe to any I don't I've tried to stop watching porn as well, only because selfishly, couldn't come as easy. Yeah. It just honestly, thing. it was a thing during lockdown, just like all the porn really fucked my brain a little bit. But that's that's where we differ. I think it's. I think. Can I also just add something? Reading pornography, I find really hot. That's just going to ask you about. Oh my god! Wow, we're so in sync. I was going to so say, what sync. about like um, audio erotica and reading porn? How do you feel about that? I am feel much more positive towards that. Love, like that's actually way hornier. I yeah, agree. I mean, yeah. Like, has anyone read the book Three Women? Because I've literally like never been hornier in my life. No, but can I borrow three that women. one as well? Yeah. I read the book first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I read three <laughs> women first. As a reward, I'm allowed to read Three Women after yeah. I've read a consent like Like I. And they're not so, little women, they're three women. They're three women. They're yeah. different. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Thank you for picking up yes. on that. Yeah, I think re- like audio, reading, that sort of stuff, that gets rid of all of my ethical issues yeah. around it. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. my issues around a very like human centered, human focused, the industry, where's mm-hmm. it's coming from, blah, 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 blah. I also don't think that type of industry has gotten as big yet to the point where it can be. Like, like I just don't really see how that can result in the exploitation of like children and women in yeah. that sense. So, yeah, I'm very, like, I think that's also a really important alternative. And a lot of it is as well women-based or queer-based. Exactly, based, or where, written from that POV yes. of women or queer people rather than... They're writing their fantasies rather yeah. than um, having someone else's fantasy projected onto them. It kind of gives women and queer people a say in what they actually like rather than going on to Pornhub and going, what... Okay, so when you go on Pornhub, it's like, what of these 10 categories do I like? And you're kind of put into that mold of, okay, which of like, you know, whether it's gangbang or 
gay in Oscar's case. <laughs> and there's um, a lot of categories in gay, just by the way. It's just the not gay. the one. There's subcategories not, not just in one gay. category. Yeah. But a diverse I, group. I, 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 th- I think with um, with audio books and, and written porn and, and even like some like Reddit threads and Twitter threads yeah, and things yeah. like that, they are really queer or um, female focused and it's like, I think it encourages exploration and creativity when it comes mm. to kinks and sexuality. And it also, like, it's giving, like, the opposite of the male gaze. It's yes. Giving, yeah, it's, like, how do we explore our sexuality through what we actually want and with, like, character development or, like, details. And, like, I think that lends towards a world where kind of intimacy becomes more norm and desire yeah. rather than just, like, acts of aggression and violence. Yeah. Being when someone's getting paid to act like they like it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well. We disagree yet. Do we agree? Still, I mean, I think friends. you're an idealist. No, we Chanel uh, yeah. and, and, and Abby and I, I would say, are, um, uh, you know, pragmatists or uh, yeah. uh, like pragmatic opposers. Like we're strategic and we do oppose, but it, in a, yeah, in less idealistic way, I yeah. would say. I guess sometimes I just need porn to have cummies and then I go to ethical porn. I guess now that I'm a girl that squirts all the time, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> the girls that get it, get it. The girls that squirt, squirt. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we, like, yeah, because I think that I know that I, when I'm feeling like, it's always like I'm like, mm, time for a little treat, yeah. can't come, can't sleep, gonna watch OnlyFans, or gonna get on my Zoom call and learn <laughs> something about French or something and go, wow, that was a great French lesson. Yeah. It actually was a French lesson, guys. Oh, yeah, I was I was like, is that why you're so good at your French? French? It's not Duolingo. Yeah. yeah, fuck Duolingo. I've been lying about Duolingo. Can I also say one other thing? I yeah. Think the audience would appreciate it. The other thing that I guess I'm trying to be like mm, about in this is like, I guess like I'm so happy for you that when you can't sleep and when you like can't come, that you like go to OnlyFans. Like, I love that for you. Thank you so much. You're so <laughs> but I think on this topic as well, it's been very much taught, again, I'm going to go back to young people, but mm-hmm. also kind of like people in their early 20s as well who are still, I guess, trying to like find their footing in like all of this stuff, me included, like I'm still very much in the thick of that. Yeah. Is it's been very much taught to us that pornography is objectively a good thing no matter what and that any sort of like disagreement with it is anti-feminist or also often like possessive of men's bodies. Like Basically, so one of the biggest pieces of feedback I've got of my book is women, mess- like, or teenagers or young women messaging me saying, reading that has given me the confidence to tell my boyfriend that I'm actually not okay with him watching porn in our relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think that for some people, if that is an ethical boundary they have, they should feel comfortable to put that there. Yeah. And if someone doesn't want to meet that, then they don't have to be in a relationship with each other. Yeah. But for some people that is a boundary and I think it's really scary that it's been taught that like you're not allowed to put up that boundary because that's like seen as like policing someone else's sexuality. Well, it's like with me being in mostly non-monogamous relationships, I guess the way I see it is like there are so many different like if there's a checklist of things you can and can't do, if that's your checklist that you don't want someone doing, that's fine. Then you shouldn't be with that person. Yeah. You should find someone that is okay with, with that boundary. It's like yeah. with Dan Savage. <laughs> his price of admission, you know, like my, like I am just like, do whatever you want and tell me about it so I can come. That's my little <laughs> song, That's song, your that song that I that sing when we, have, when we have the talk. You're so good at singing. Thank you. <laughs> um, no, but like, like the, I think when you, when you get rid of like the, like the rigidity of monogamy and like what, what the default settings yeah. of monogamy would be, I think there's like this weird, not weird, this, this like, kind of central agreement that society is grown. This is monogamy and that doesn't mm. include 
kissing someone else, but it also doesn't often include saying that someone can't watch porn. Mm. So it's like I think that everyone has the right to set boundaries in what in what they want. And, and I probably really used to not that. agree with this. I probably used to think that, no, you should let someone watch porn. Mm. But as I've grown up and been in more um, open relationships and, like, seen as well friends have different um, combinations, I guess, of what they're okay with and what they aren't okay with, like, mm. I know people in open relationships that aren't okay with their partner watching porn and that would be seen as the most quote-unquote extreme monogamy. Yeah. But it's, like, it's a diff- different reason, like an ethical reason. I don't think it, yeah, because in my mind it doesn't come under the idea of um, monogamy. Like monogamy like it's, not, it's not cheating for me. It's more like I said, again, sorry to keep going back to this analogy, but, like, people who are vegetarian who can mm. only date someone else who's vegetarian. Yeah. Like, or people who won't eat meat, like, if they're out for dinner with their friend, like, they're out for dinner with their partner, it has to be a vegetarian meal. Like, something like, again, it's like an ethical thing yeah. for me rather than thinking of it as cheating. I don't think of it as cheating, but I do think of it as breaking a boundary that has, yeah. which then maybe puts it more in, like, not a cheating category, but a disrespect category. Yeah, because I think a lot of people, the way that people had framed it to me in the past was, like, oh, I'd seen online being, like, I see porn as cheating, watching porn as cheating, like how can no. you think? And I go, get a grip. And yeah. I'm, then that kind of puts me into a, 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 um, a category of being like, no, like you can watch porn, mm. whatever. But when you frame it as an ethical or a, yeah, like being aligned with someone that you're dating in mm. terms of your your values. And or, just your boundaries because if they, yeah. if you're giving them access to your body and you're having that intimate moment with them, it means that there's things about them that, you know, you want to understand and know. And yeah. I think it's very fair that pornography consumption should be one of them. Yeah. And that's not for everyone. I just think it should be more normal or, to say or, that. Or thought about at least. Or like, thought about, considered, yeah. Yeah, because, like, if I sit and really think about it, I don't really think about the porn habits of people that I'm dating. See, I have almost gotten to a place with the type of men I now date. I don't even need to have a conversation anymore about, like, porn or no porn because... I bring it up on the first date. Sorry, no. I, <laughs> no, 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 because um, because they now the types book. of oh. boys, the types of boys I'm into now have almost like the last, like I'd say, like last four out of five, have come to a position where they have themselves decided that they do not want to consume pornography. Yeah, I think me is. I think a lot of the men that I've slept with in the past year or so have not been porn watchers. This is a massive. So it's this massive is the other shift. thing that I wish young boys could understand. I had like, someone recently tell me that porn is "quote unquote" whack, and I said, "Fair." <laughs> it's a fair thing to say. That's quite funny. So That's kind of hot. Many boys my age and older have stopped. That I know have stopped watching pornography for whether it's because you know of like erectile dysfunction issues or because yeah. of psychological issues or like a lot of people like in COVID were like kind of as you said like that was a grim like I got into a grim state. yeah. And then fucking went to a little horror tunnel there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My pussy and was called the horror tunnel. Like, it was like right at the Ecker. Who is naming your pussy? Everything? I know. Everyone that fucks me comes in. They put they put it they put it into the bowl. And every year I bring I, I do a little lucky dip and I go. This year it shall be called the horror tunnel. <laughs> Wait, can I tell you something that I think you'll find really interesting? Yeah. Um, kind of on this topic of like grim COVID, like consuming pornography is post not clarity the like term post not clarity oh yes let's talk about this there's actually psychology behind it that when you are horny the part of your brain that like processes disgust like doesn't work as well yes for the purpose of like literally like kissing is objectively gross so humans have to like lower the disgust for as like a survival mechanism so that we don't like spread germs unnecessarily yes and before asop everyone's not really bad 
<laughs> so like, you, so that if you're fucking, like, and you're fucking upright in a, oh, in right, a sewerage, yeah, a sewerage so- ridden street, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's 1704. It's you're in Edinburgh, Scotland. You've got yes. to reproduce. <laughs> okay. It's four degrees. You've got seven layers on. I thought you meant like, gonna literally fuck. like in 2012, everything was disgusting. <laughs> well, it was. Before, I saw, who knows, before those post poo drops, <laughs> everyone had to, our brains had developed up to a point. No, but like before, like <laughs> hygiene as well. Yeah. yeah I heard yeah. this recently. What did I hear this on? I heard this recently about, yeah, and it made, it made such sense about yeah. having to get rid of your, any form of disgust because you got to be able to reproduce. Yeah. And then, because it's objectively gross, right? Yes, like, it is. If you think about yuck. it, it's disgusting. And if you're not attracted yeah. to the person, it's gross. And yeah. so that disgust instinct goes down. Therefore, the types of content that people watch when they're watching pornography are often things that in their kind of like sober state as such, like yeah. when they're not horny, they're like, I feel really grossed out by what I just ingested, whether it's, you know, something that's like got you know incest themes or like racist mm-hmm. themes or like even child abuse themes like people are always like you know like yeah. schoolgirl porn is still like one of the most highly rated yes. categories which is like really fucking scary when you actually think when about really how many there. teenage girls are like abused by their teachers and stuff mm-hmm. like that or teenage boys as well so yeah i think that's really interesting so like people always joke about post not clarity but it's like actually a, it's thing. a real thing it's a real thing yeah, yeah yeah it is interesting that a lot of a lot of I have noticed a lot of men move away from porn recently uh, yeah, yeah. I, but i think it's selfish reasons but it's still a positive change look I think it's a positive change yeah like, like I yeah. think a lot of them are like yeah just saying that like oh yeah I couldn't come or like I just was yeah. getting a bit fucked up or, or even that they're really horny and they just want to be able to look at porn I've got a friend of mine and his partner she she sort of had a bit of an issue with him looking at porn and then they ended up he, he stopped and then he thought when he looked back on it oh, it was bad because I was almost becoming addicted to wanting to yeah orgasm or whatever jerk off looking at porn as opposed to being intimate with my partner. Yeah, people just become, like, addicted to porn. I mean, it's... It's even, addictive. It's, it's massively addictive. Yeah, like, when I when I decided to stop watching as much porn and just stay with my Zoom lessons and stay <laughs> with my French lessons, yeah, I found it really hard to not just go to Pornhub and just watch whatever's on the on the homepage, yeah. you know? Mm. Uh, well, I, anyway. <laughs> no, I'm going to turn it too dark now if I ask that question. It was... It, it, like It's basically, like... If there is a situation where somebody does get assaulted, how do you go about it in Australia? Because I feel like it's a very... That's a great question, Lim. We now kind of know that consent is a thing and there's legalities around it. But if in layman's terms, what should a woman do? She's in a situation where she's met an opportunistic entitled rapist mm. in, a, in a setting that she knows him and maybe she has a group of friends as well who know him mm. what are the next steps that she should go to through oh, it's so hard because i just hate telling anyone to go through the criminal system that's uh, like the only option but like it doesn't do anything it doesn't work like my only tip would be if you are going to go through the criminal system to record a phone call and get them to accidentally confess and like just be like mm. Like, how are you going? Just want to talk about last night. It was a bit weird. And then, like, get them to confess. That's the only fucking way you could ever mm. actually go through the criminal system. Fuck. But then, like, you, you would have to do that in a police station because I don't even think you can record. You can't people's. record. Yeah, no you can't record. Yeah, in Queensland, you can if it's used in a court case. Really? Yeah. Oh. Last I checked. Yeah, I actually Googled this recently again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, in Queensland, you can. Yeah. So there's nothing and we just wait for no, the legal I know. system it's so, to, like, it's so do. Fun, it? Okay, in... A lot of states around Australia, they have alternative reporting options where you can, like, put a report in and it doesn't do anything. <laughs> it's like, I, like this, it's just, it's so hard, like, speak to mm-hmm. friends and families and trusted ones and loved ones. But, like, 
the criminal system is there. I heard someone say this the other day and it really stuck with me. They're like, because I used to call it the criminal justice system. And I heard them say, I refuse to call it the criminal justice system because it like does not produce justice. And so I just, that's why I just find it so hard to tell people what to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. So it was well, a really bad that's answer. positive. That's helpline. Um, <laughs> Speak to the girls. Anyway, guys, <laughs> if that makes you feel like shit, you know what make you feel better? What? Reading consent laid bare. Yes, <laughs> it would. A lot of people have said it's really validating. Yes, and... it will make you feel better, feel validated. Mm. You will learn a lot, mm. I imagine. Next time you can't <laughs> sleep and you can't cumsies. <laughs> Read consent laid bare. Read consent laid bare. Like, cumsies or Instead cummies? of watching cumsies. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so embarrassing. Cumsies. I kind of like cumsies better. Yeah, no, cummies. Mm. Cummies. Sorry. Cumsies is okay, better. Okay, enemies again. Oh. Back to enemies that we've ended hating each other. Fuck. All right, Chanel, where can everyone find you, I guess, if they really want to fucking do it? <laughs> At Chanel C on Instagram. And um, get consent laid bare in all good bookstores or in my storage unit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> points for honesty. Friend points yeah, for honesty. Yeah, yeah. So points. overall friends. Yes. 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 <laughs> for Nightmare Fuel on Friday. Love it. Listener Production.